1: What would you like the power
0: to do? Mobile
1: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Friday, December 31st, New Year's Eve, 2021, going into 2022. We're going to do a new edition of the Corner 3 Podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Jared Stansberry, Scott Christopherson. Obviously, a pretty big one coming up on Saturday at Hilton Coliseum. Uh man, it is cold as hell outside, Scott. There's snow on the ground. It's finally – it's officially basketball season, I think we can say now. Uh, Hopefully the Baylor Bears won't have any issue getting into Ames so that there's no no delays with the game or anything like that. But, man, this is uh, as highly anticipated of an Iowa State basketball game as I can remember in several years uh, between two top ten teams. Bears coming in at number one and then Iowa State, of course, at number eight. In this week's AP poll, two undefeated teams, two or four undefeated teams left in college basketball. Should be a fun one, man.
1: Yeah, great opportunity for both teams. And I think in particular, Iowa State, I mean, you knock off Baylor and now you're probably looked at as having a chance to slip into the top five and, you know, talk about uh, an opportunity to right off the bat in conference play, get a l- significant resume builder against a legitimate uh, national title contending team.
0: Yeah, I've, and... I mean, if there's been a better program than Baylor in the last three years in college basketball, I don't know who it is. I mean, I guess maybe Gonzaga would be in that category, but I obviously we saw what happened the last two, the last time that those two teams matched up. I mean, what Scott Drew has done with the with the Bears, and it's you know Scott Drew has always been really good. I've always been a big Scott Drew fan, but he has like gone to another level over the last couple of years and they really changed the way that they approached a lot of their recruiting and things like that. They stopped getting the, you know, the uh, five-star, Isaiah Austin, um, Jonathan Motley, uh, man, I can't even think Quincy AC, like those kinds of guys. And they started getting guys that are a little bit more under the radar. You got to build them up and man, they start with those, those guys in the backcourt, but I got Scott drew every time Iowa state plays Baylor. I just feel like Scott drew deserves a cap tip because of what he's been able to do with that program and how he's built that thing up over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. When I, you know, when you watch them on film and then, you know, like last year's team, I was really impressed. Honestly, as a player, I never, I don't want to say I wasn't impressed with them, but I, there were other coaches in the league that I was more impressed with. But I think, you know, he's now, his team's kind of run like a Bill Self. Like to me, Bill Self has been the standard in college basketball and in Big 12 in particular, just whether he's got three lottery picks or no lottery picks, I mean, they're just a machine. you got to earn everything you get. And when you watch them play on both ends of the court, they're organized. Um, you know, there's a reason that they won the national title last year. I know they've got some different players this year, but I mean, this is another team that they've got Final Four contender, national title contender written all over them, and they're they're impressive on both ends.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the thing that is going to make this such a huge test for Iowa State is we're going to really see, you know, Tyrese Hunter is going to get a big time introduction to what it means to play in the Big 12 because you're going to go up against a group of guards in this game that not only are they able to put the ball in the basket, but man, these are some guys who are really going to get after you defensively. And they're, you know, they're not Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, who might have combined to be one of the best defensive backcourts I've seen in college basketball in the last, I don't know, 20 years, probably. Uh, that's, I mean, I think that those two are why they won the national title last year. But you know, you look at what uh, James Akinjo and then Adam Flagler has been have been able to do in that backcourt. Those guys have both been fantastic. Uh, you know, you've got uh, LJ Cryer, who's been really good for them. Uh, Kendall Brown has been really good as a freshman. I mean, this is a, a team that with a group of guards who are going to harass you defensively, and then they're all really solid offensively, too, and they play into their role, you know, and I think that that's what is fun to watch about them is you don't see people trying to do more than what they're capable of. They know what their role is, and they know how to play their role and how to do it really well.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think the biggest thing for Tyrese and really for every player individually is when you're going into a big game like this against a really good team. I think sometimes people get in the trap of thinking, all right, well, I got to come out and I got to, you know, I got to be at my best today. I almost got to play outside of my game. And I think the more that you can simplify, like if you're Tyrese, what are the two or three things that you do for this team that make it go? and just really lock into executing those two or three things to the best of your ability level, because to your point, I mean, they've got multiple guards, both in their start, you know, starting five, but also guys that come off the bench that are, I mean, they're multi-dimensional college basketball players. They don't just do one thing. Well, they do multiple things. Well, and if you give them something, they're going to take it. And I think the better job that each guy can do of just simplifying, like what are my two or three things that I bring to the table for this team, the better they're going to be able to go out and just, just get caught up in that. Just be focused in on executing what's asked of you. And that, you know, in time, it would be how you're going to wear them down and, and try to pull off an upset.
0: For sure. So what, I mean, for you, for you, for Iowa State in this game, what, like, what is the first key? What's the first yeah. thing that it's like, man, I want to, early on in the game, I want to see Iowa State do this just to know, okay, they're locked in. They're going to be ready to go. And like, we know that they're going to be able to hang around in this thing.
1: Yeah, I think there's kind of been a three prong recipe for success that they've had in their first 12 games that have been consistent, right? They've won the They've won the turnover battle. They have to do that in this game. You know, Baylor's going to stress them trying to turn them over in a way that they probably haven't seen. Maybe maybe Memphis. I'll I'll throw Memphis probably in there. But Memphis wasn't as organized and put together as this team is they've got to at least break even on the glass, in my opinion. And then they've got to hold Baylor under 30% shooting from the three. Those are three things that Iowa State's done night in, night out, guard the three hard, uh, win the win the rebounding battle, win the turnover battle. And if they do those three things in this game, no matter how good or bad things go for stretches on offense, because Baylor will challenge them in ways they haven't seen, they're going to keep themselves in this game. And, you know, you're at home, you get the, the crowd rocking, like, It's not, this isn't like, uh, you know, a miracle on ice to win this game. I mean, Iowa State can definitely win this game, but those are the three things that I think they have to get done to give themselves a a, a good chance to win this game. You know, outside of a guy going off for like 35 or something like that, they get those three things done. I think they're going to be in this ballgame and have a chance to win it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at their Ken Palm right now. Like they're not a team that really, they don't shoot the ball as well as they did last year. I mean, they were one of the best shooting teams in college basketball uh, last season. Again, that goes back to that group of guards that they had uh, 35.8% on the year, which is, you know, by no means is that bad. Like that's still really solid. But I I like that you make the point about turnovers because when when Iowa State gets into these games, this is the time when you can't allow teams to have the extra possessions. You can't allow a team like Baylor to have exponentially more possessions than you do and just get that many more scoring opportunities. And a team like Baylor is really good at when they are able to get against a a scrambling defense or a team that is not able to set their defense. That's when they're going to thrive, you know? And so that's like, I want to see Tyrese Hunter come out and be able to, and not just Tyrese, but, you know, Gabe Kalsher and Isaiah Brockington come out, be under control. Don't, you know, let the moment be too big for you. Don't start making uncharacteristic mistakes or anything like that. And just like, go out and play your game and stay under control. And if they can do that, like they're going to be okay. You know,
1: outside of Caleb grill and probably jazz, there's nobody on this team that needs to be forcing up an early three in the shot clock. And that doesn't get charted as a turnover, but there's been some games where, you know, it hasn't been egregious, but they've had, you know, anywhere from like four to, I would say probably seven early shots that will hurt them mightily in this game. Those are as good as turnovers. Those are long rebounds by guys that are shooting below 30% from the three. Those are the sorts of things that will get you in trouble that they, you know, if I'm TJ coming into this game, like we got to clean that up because we just we can't have, we can't give away four to seven possessions offensively in this game. They're too good. The margin for error is too small. And and I think for Tyrese, because I think he's going to be a big key in this game. I really do. Uh, you know, he, he's been a little quieter the last couple of games. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the way teams have guarded them. We've talked about that on prior episodes. I think that he needs to be a disruptive force on the defensive end, the way that he was against Iowa and Creighton, where whether he's on the ball and just making life miserable, or he's off the ball kind of being like an Ed Reed style of free safety. I mean, he has special, he, he has a guy, he's a guy that could be a big 12 defensive player of the year someday. And when he does that, that gets him out in transition. When, when you get him out in transition, it's going to, you know, he's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses. So I actually see that kind of being something I think him and then the four position are kind of the two X factors going into this game offensively that I think they need to get plus performances from. They don't have to be outstanding or anything out of this world, but just they need him and the two foremen to have plus performances in this game, in my opinion.
0: And I think you could even throw, you need the, you need George Condit. And Robert Jones to relatively stay out of foul trouble. Like we can't have a come out where they immediately both pick up three fouls or something like that, because you have, I mean, you look at what Baylor brings to the table. You got Flo Thamba, who's six foot 10. Was it so important for them on their run to, to the national title last year? And then Thamwa like he's a, he's really good too. He's only six foot eight, but he is, plays with so much energy that's what those two really do is they do a really good job of getting other teams big men into just not ideal situations and then all of a sudden you get into a spot where you've got you know George kind of picks up two fouls like immediately or something like that that's the kind of stuff that needs to be avoided just to you know be able to keep yourself in good positions like Flothamba, I'm looking at it right now he's 21 or uh, number 21 in the country in uh, offensive rebound percentage uh, and then Don Wachaua is at uh, is 80th almost 13%. So those are two guys that, you know, crash the glass really hard. And then when they crash the glass, like they're able to put defensive uh, defenses into difficult situations, kicking out to shooters and getting defenses into scramble situations. So like you gotta be able to keep them off the glass and to keep them off the glass, you kind of got to keep your five men on the floor sometimes.
1: Yeah. And I I would say no silly fouls. Like you're going to have some, you know, competing with those guys going after loose balls, trying to block a shot from the weak side, but don't get a 35 from the feet hip check on a screen on a, a, a ball screen fouls. No moving screen fouls where you just give one away. Those are the types of ones that will hurt them, especially in this game. And then I think to your point about what Baylor does, their front court does, that's where keeping the ball out of the paint. So George isn't constantly having to come up, help, and then recover back. Again, when you're playing against a team with the the size and the speed and athleticism of Baylor, that's where if he's constantly having to come over and help and put out fires, he's going to be behind for for rebounding position and position on dump downs. That's where he might, you know, in theory, pick up some some extra fouls. So, you know, that's that's some on the the perimeter players too of just doing a great job of pressuring them but keeping the ball out of the paint because when the ball gets in the paint, bad things are going to happen.
0: I'm also interested to see how this game is officiated. And I think that this is going to be a common theme throughout the league for the entire year because of the sheer number of teams who want to play similar to how Iowa State and Baylor do with the physicality and toughness and and then defensively, especially the physicality defensively. I mean, if this game is like, we're going to call this thing really tight and keep this thing under control, for one, it could be a game that takes like three hours uh, <laughs> and and feels like it lasts a lifetime. Could also be two
1: on three by the end of the
0: game. too. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like it it could be some of these games, I think will severely lack flow depending on who the officiating crew is on a given night. And that, that is going to be crucial. I think in every game in the league this year, but obviously we haven't seen that yet. So that's where I'm just interested to see like, what, what does that look like? Both of these teams are going to be physical, especially in the paint. And you know, they're going to not be afraid to get up in somebody outside on the perimeter. And are you going to call that stuff every time? Or is it going to be the kind of thing where it's like, well, we could call a foul on every possession if that's what we're going to call a foul for. So we kind of just got to let it go and let this be a rock fight. You know,
1: I hope they err on the side of letting it be physical. I, I will say one general synopsis from the the, the, the preseason schedule is just way too many ticky tack fouls, way too disjointed of games you know, I, I understand points of emphasis and refs have a job to do, and they're graded, you know, on a particular grading scale. And I get that. But just from whoever is regulating that and kind of like, let's make the adjustment now and just rein it back in a little bit, right? Like, okay, let's not let hand checking 40 feet from the basket consistently go on. But I think there's some middle ground there from what we saw in the, the preseason to, you know, not letting it just be a total slug fest, uh, like, you know, the old school Big East games or something right. like that
0: this is about the point in the year when the points of emphasis uh, from the off season completely go out the window. (laughs) Like no one, no one gives a shit about the points of emphasis anymore. It's uh, we can only hope. Well, yeah. And that, but it happens every year, man. Like that's the thing, like in the preseason or in the non-conference, there'll be some of these games where, I mean, how many free throws are they shooting out in what game was it? The Alabama state game or the grambling game. There was like 60 free throw shot or something like that. Like, I, I don't think that that's going to happen. And yeah. it, it, it very well could because of the physicality, like I mentioned, but I don't think that that's going to happen because I don't think the game will be officiated that way. Right. I, I agree. I'm, I'm excited to see Iowa state play against a team like this, because this, like I said, in my mind, this is the measuring stick in college basketball. This program is the measuring stick right now. Obviously Kansas has been great. But you look at what Baylor has done over the last several years. And I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Ken Palm has them going uh, <laughs> 30 and one in the regular season. That I mean, this is the team like this is the program right now that if you want to know where you're at and if you want to know that if if you can compete to win a national title, you got to be able to beat these guys. And I want to know if Iowa State, you know, even if they can't if they don't win, like how close are you? You know, I'm how curious far to are you see offensively. Right there? Yeah. I, I'm really
1: curious to watch them offensively. I, I defensively, I trust this team. Like, again, I don't I'm not saying they're gonna come out and hold them to you know 37 or whatever, you know, like they have against some of the other teams, but like they're gonna come out, their their defensive rotations have been solid all year, their ball pressure's been great. Like I I I think I know what I'm gonna get there. I'm curious to see offensively, you know how, how this goes. And I, and I'm not, I'm not nervous or scared of what I'm going to see. Like, I, I think they have the ability and I think they've demonstrated the ability against some of the better teams, Xavier, Memphis, et cetera, to be able to execute. But this is going to be, I mean, this is, this is the b- best defensive team in college basketball. Am I mistaken there? I, I think they're uh, ranked think number one.
0: They're number four right now. In, okay. Uh, number four. So they're a, a top five teams. defensive
1: team. Yeah. You know, this is a program that, you know they have some players that didn't come back from last year but like they they've they've won they've won a national title i mean there's a certain swagger and a expectation when you do something like that so you know we're going to find out offensively where this team is at tomorrow in a different way and and i i think that if they can keep it simple be locked into their game plan and just continue to grind away and stay patient i think they can score enough to win this game i really do but there's going to be some things that if they don't get cleaned up from some of the stretches we've seen in the non-conference season that this game could get sideways on them.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, at the end of the day too like this team has already vastly outperformed what my expectations were, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I don't go into it where it's like if you lose you're disappointed. Obviously you have to kind of change the the expectations because of the fact that they played so well in, in the, uh, in, in non-conference. And it's like, if this, this was TCU and you came out and you lost, like, then I'd be kind of like, okay, well that's not ideal, you know? But when you're, you have to face this team, I mean, my expectations are not high enough for me to be like pissed if they lost the game, you know? And it's right. like, how well can you come out and play and How well can you, how good can you look? After what we've seen before, can you carry those things over into this? And if you can carry it over against this team, when you've still got a lot of time to continue to get better, I'm going to feel pretty good about that as you move into these next 17 games of league play.
1: Yeah, it's a big game and everybody should be excited about it. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. And if they win, I mean, you know, you beat be the number one team on your home court. I mean, you remember those wins for years to come, mm-hmm. but if they win tomorrow and only win four or five games the rest of the year, they're not going to the tournament. If they yeah. lose tomorrow by 20 and still find a way to win eight or nine in conference play, which is very doable, even if they were to lose, you're going to the tournament and nobody's looking back, you know, like oh, the season wasn't what it's what it could have been because they lost to Baylor. So it's a, it's a great opportunity, but it is one game. And I think regardless of how it goes, you know, the, the, the grind, the gauntlet, all that stuff is still coming. That's kind of why I, you know, wrote that column the other day is just, you know, we're here, we're 12 and 0, everybody's feeling pretty good, but you know, let's not forget what's been accomplished thus far. Let's not forget, you know, all of the good things. And, and as adversity hits this team, and I hope, you know, all all of us as fans can kind of, you know, stay steady, steady the course and, and, and grind out enough wins to go to the NCAA tournament because I think that they can do that.
0: We're going to find out a lot here over uh, the next two and a half weeks or so when, you know, out even after this game where then you've got to play Texas Tech on Wednesday, go on the road to Oklahoma, on the road down Allen Fieldhouse to play Kansas, back home against Texas, and then on the road to Lubbock. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on the podcast. I think when we... Um, and we answered all the fan questions, but it's like, man, if you could somehow get three out of that six, I mean, those are all tier a games on Ken Palm. Those are all tier one wins in the NET. Like that would be, if you can go three and three in there, I I will be really happy. You know, you go
1: 500 in this league in your Iowa state, you're going to be a six or a seven. Seed. I mean, I, I think you're probably going to be a six C. maybe, heck, maybe even sneak in as a five. If you beat a couple of the, you know, Kansas surveillers, right. Um, I mean, what is Kempom? I, I thought Kempom said if they Brent bloom, I thought maybe pointed this out the other week that Kempom had it. If you won seven games in league play and you, it, that Iowa state would probably still have a decent chance of making the tournament. They went yeah. seven and 11, which just speaks to how good this league is. I mean, that's, that's crazy seven and 11 or eight and 10 gets you into a tournament.
0: Yeah. So seven and 11 right here would have them go in uh, would have them finishing seventh in the league. And I mean, I would be shocked if finishing seventh in this league did not get you into the tournament. You know, like I, I think that probably eight big 12 teams right now today will get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So if you can win seven games and be seven and 11, like, I don't know. I don't know that anybody's going to lose less than four. You know, like you're going to be right there in the mix for the entire year. And um, it's going to be fun, man. I'm excited. I'm excited I for this too. one. I think everybody
1: is. These guys have done a great job of putting themselves in position to be excited about big 12 play, which I'm not sure that anyone at the beginning of the season thought we would be coming into big 12 play, you know, pretty optimistic that this team has a good chance of of making the NCAA tournament. And, and, and you get into the NCAA tournament and you've gone through the gauntlet of the big 12. I'm telling you, winning the big 12 will be harder than going to the final four. Like that's how good this league is. I remember when I was a freshman at Marquette it was kind of the same way. There was like 18 teams in the Big East, and I mean, it's just it, it never lets up. There's no Alabama or Kennesaw States on the schedule. I mean, every game is going to have to be earned, and that's a good thing. I mean, that's going to make that's going to bring the best out in these guys, going to bring the best out in the coaches, and I think it's going to be just a ton of fun to to watch it unfold.
0: Absolutely, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again maybe on Monday so we can talk some more about Texas Tech and uh, and get ready for for what's to come. But uh, we're looking forward to this one. Uh, coming up on Saturday. I hope everybody has a great start to their new year. Stay safe on New Year's Eve, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Peace.